Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. That was excellent. That was excellent. You were ready. We are ready to worship the living God as we gather together here in the family of the Village Church. Let me extend a special welcome to any of you who may be visiting with us, especially for the very first time today. Please be sure to stop by the visitor table out in the patio and let us know that you've been here. We're also happy to have you if you've been coming for many, many decades. We are dependent on all of those who are feeding into the life of a church, making it happen. Whether you're new, whether you've been here for a while, it's good to have you with us. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to think about joining up with us. If you're online, we're happy to have you as well. One other note as we prepare to be called to worship, and that is you'll notice that your pastors are wearing some blue and there's some yellow going on here. And of course, that is in solidarity with the, uh, the people of Ukraine. So we are thinking about them and using their national colors, the yellow and the blue, and remembering them and all of those, especially who have been worshiping the Lord in whatever way that they worship as we gather for worship today. So let us be called to worship then as we read responsive from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Full of honor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. Friends, let us worship God. Sometimes we may feel that the darkness within us is so deep, our sin, so strong that we have no hope, but we have a Savior. Let us confess our sins and be assured that the Christ of light forgives us and dwells with us. Will you please pray the prayer of confession with me? Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of the world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy on us, heal and forgive us, sets us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love, 
in Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. I declare to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ be with you. Share that peace around you and take it out into the world. It's so nice to see people being nice to each other. <laughs> Let me share a few pieces of information to make sure that we are all on the same page in terms of what's coming up in the life of our church. Tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock, we encourage you to be part of the Zoom gathering that will be our annual meeting for this year. We have some important business to conduct, and we also need a few more folks to sign up. We have to have 10% of the active membership of the church signed up. So if you have not pre-registered using the link that is in the emails that I've been sending to you on Saturdays and Thursdays, we encourage you to do that so we're sure to have enough folks. Uh, it will be well worth your time. You don't have to get dressed. You don't have to take a bath. You can be sitting there eating your Twinkies and drinking your Dr. Pepper, whatever you like. It's very easy to attend just for about 30 minutes. On Tuesday evening, we will welcome the Concordia Choir to concert here in the sanctuary at 7 o'clock. All of the very strict pandemic protocols still are being observed for that performance, which is the case in most major musical venues as well, so be sure that you observe those. And if you'd like to get a ticket, we are selling tickets out at the visitor table. Be sure to stop by there right after worship. The next day, you can come for worship here at 7 o'clock as we begin Ash Wednesday and the, the celebration of Lent. So if you are planning to be here, that's fantastic. If you are unable to come but would like to participate through the live stream uh, telecast that we will be showing, we would encourage you to pick up one of these little vials of ashes, which are also out at the visitor table so that you can participate in that way with the imposition of ashes. Next Sunday, we'll have a new member seminar to help teach folks about the life of our church as you consider joining with us and would encourage all of you who are not yet members of the church to be part of that. And then I'll just remind you that at both worship services every Sunday now, we have Sunday school going on, primarily for the little kids. But if you get a little bit antsy and feel like you want to go join the four-year-olds or the five-years-old, who am I to say that a 94-year-old can't go and be part of that, okay? So that's over in the kid village. Finally, a word of welcome to someone who may be new to some of you but has actually been part of our Village Church family from the very beginning. Our new contemporary worship team leader, Barbara Haran, is going to be singing for us. And Barbara, we're very happy to have you as part of the team and happy you're with us here in this worship service this morning. And now, friends, because the Lord has blessed us so richly in so many ways, we remember that and celebrate that as we bring to God our tithes and offerings. If you would like, we encourage you to come to the baskets that are here at the front of the sanctuary in whatever way you can to give in all the ways that you can as we celebrate God's gifts and blessings in our world today. Her face and 
at last she knelt before his feet and though she spoke no words everything she said was heard as she poured her love for the master from her box of praise on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and dry them with my Barbara, we thank God that he has led you and your family back to this area and called you to be a part of the ministry here. So welcome and thank you so much. <clears throat> As we begin a time of prayer and supplication, I'm, along with all of you, very much reminded of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. In this past week, both Jews and Christians got together and have made a covenant to pray the 31st Psalm. So my prayer today is taken from the 31st Psalm. I will be um, praying most of that prayer and I encourage you to not only join me in prayer now but throughout this week if you would take the 31st Psalm and make it your prayer for the people of Ukraine. Let us pray. 
In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out to the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. You hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will exalt and rejoice in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have taken heed of my adversaries and have not delivered me into the hands of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes waste away from grief, my soul and body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. I am the scorn of all my adversaries, a whore to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Do not let me be put to shame, O Lord, for I call on you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go dumbfounded to Sheol. Let the lying lips be still that speak insolently against the righteous with pride and contempt. Oh, how, bored, how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you, who accomplish for those who take refuge in you in the sight of everyone. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was beset as a city under siege. I had said in my alarm, I am driven far from your sight, but you heard my supplication when I cried out to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all who wait for the Lord. Lord Jesus, this is our prayer, and we pray it with the prayer you have taught us, saying in one voice, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
as you are able, stand with me now so that together we may hear and receive and then live by the eternal truth of God as we find it recorded in the gospel according to Mark, these two brief scenes from the passion of Jesus. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee, and there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. How many of you have literally thousands of photos on your phones? You want to see the pictures of my grandkids? I don't know. How many of you have perhaps hundreds and hundreds of snapshots from the good old days, probably in shoeboxes that one day will be organized and cataloged? How many of you have a few dozen videotapes, or better yet, eight millimeter reel-to-reel movies? Okay, this is beginning to differentiate us according to our age, isn't it? How many of you have a few precious black and white photographs from the family maybe over a hundred years old now? Anybody? How many of you have an oil painting of someone from your family? from long, long ago. How many of you have a marble statue of somebody that was? Okay, no takers on that one at the first service either. (laughs) We have been looking carefully at biblical people people who populate the passion story of Jesus. And in order to see them, we have only words. Sometimes we have only their name or maybe a descriptive phrase or two. In some cases, we have quite a lot more. But in all cases, we are trying to look carefully and see and know the people who were part of the story of Jesus. In a way, what we are trying to do is take those old black and white photos and colorize them. There are several web folks that have gotten a hold of my Facebook address, and every day in Facebook, some new pictures appear that were black and white, and next to them, they have a colorized version. And it's amazing how much more you see how much better able you are to enter into the reality of a scene when there's color with it. We're trying to add that color, if you will, that detail and and understanding of the folks in Scripture. And today we're going to look at a handful of women, women named Mary and Mary and Salome. Who were they? We have no photographs. We have no statues. We have only a few words. Salome was, we believe, the wife of Zebedee. Zebedee, we think, was a prominent fisherman from the region of the Galilee who, because of his prominence and success, was able, through the ministration of Salome, to provide some financial support to that 
wandering band of disciples that were with Jesus. She also was a disciple of Jesus, though not considered one of the 12, because to include a woman in that list would have been unheard of in that day. She perhaps was the one who, in the scene that I'm sure you remember, came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, when you establish your reign on earth and set up your cabinet and start making the political appointments, would you please make sure that James and John are at your side, one on the right and one on the left? She was a typical mother. She wanted to push her kids forward. We might call her the original helicopter mom. I don't know. That's really all that we know or can say with any, any degree of certainty about Salome. But Mary, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, perhaps we can say a little bit more. We know that she was the mother of James and Joseph. Apparently, she was a constant companion of Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene because oftentimes they are mentioned together in the same phrase. So these two Marys were probably good friends, perhaps related, who knows. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, was also present with Jesus at his crucifixion, and then she was there at his tomb on the Sunday morning after the crucifixion. She may have been the wife of Clopas. We're not certain about that, but some suggest that that could be the case. That's really all that we know about Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. But then there is Mary of Magdala. Magdala was a town on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee. It was located north of the city of Tiberias. Many of you, if you have visited Israel in modern days, you probably have stayed in a hotel in Tiberias. It's a modern city named after a famous Roman, of course. Magdala was one of about 10 towns around the perimeter of the Sea of Galilee, and it was the largest town. That's where Mary was from, Magdala. Therefore, we call her Mary Magdalene. She too was one of the women who gave financial help and domestic help to Jesus. We might note that there were many women who followed Jesus. And Mary was one of the prominent ones, and we know more about her. She's described in several different ways. She is told to be one of the women who went to the tomb after the crucifixion. And according to John, she was, at least for part of the time, there by herself. Maybe she was the first one. Maybe she was one who lingered after the others had left. We don't know, but, but we do know that she had an encounter with Jesus and that when she recognized who, who he was, she reached out to hug him because she loved him. And, and Jesus said, don't touch me yet. Now, this Mary could also be Mary of Bethany. There are some confusing elements of the stories about her. Mary of Bethany was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the tomb. There are several stories in the scriptures where a woman takes oil or precious ointment, perfumed ointment, and anoints Jesus' feet with it and his hair. Mary of Bethany and also perhaps Mary of Magdala are mentioned in stories that have kind of all become conflated into one story. Maybe it was Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, who came into Simon's house when Jesus was visiting there. Simon the Pharisee, who came into his house to anoint his feet. Simon the Pharisee said to this woman, who was not named in the story itself, he said that she should immediately leave because she was a woman of bad reputation. And of course, Jesus, the proper rabbi, would have nothing to do with her. 
But we know that the story turned out differently. Jesus, the rabbi, said, come. I forgive you. I accept you. I restore you and set you on a new pathway of life. The church in its earliest tradition said that was Mary Magdalene because Luke then tells us, after he tells us that story about Jesus in Simon's house, he tells us about Mary Magdalene. By the way, she takes what we believe was nard in the, in the case of, of Mary, the other Mary, the sister of Mary, uh, the, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. In that case, the, the ointment that's, that's named is nard. And, and we actually have some nard growing here at the church. Did you know that? Don't tell the feds. <laughs> nard is what we call lavender. The oil of lavender is nard. We have some lavender growing in our new little biblical garden that will soon expand one day to fill the whole campus over at the entrance to the fellowship center. We have both Spanish lavender and English lavender. I guess they speak different languages. I don't know, but there's the case. At any rate, by the tradition of the church, and very possibly so, Mary of Magdala, Mary Magdalene, was the woman who came into Simon's house and received the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ. Why did Simon want her to stay away? Because she was a prostitute. By the tradition of the church, Mary Magdalene is the woman who in repentance and in faith in Jesus came and was forgiven and given a new life. Arguably, Mary Magdalene is the second most important woman in the New Testament record. Second only, of course, to Mary, the mother of Jesus. These are just three women that we could mention, but let's note what these brief passages from Mark say to us about all of the women. Mark says that there were many other women, many other women who had come up with Jesus to Jerusalem. And then he says that very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they, the women, went to the tomb. Women were the first to discover that the tomb was empty. And so using the story of these three women, let's think about things that we can learn for, for ourselves. That's why we're looking at these old word pictures. It's not just to understand more of what was going on then, but to understand more of what is going now in our own lives. There are many things that we can learn, but a few that I would highlight for us today. The first is that a person's past does not have to determine his or her future. Let me say that again, because you and I need to hear that every day. A person's past does not have to determine their future. I think that's why Mary Magdalene is such a powerful character in our imaginations and in our history. Because we know and we hope and we trust that our past does not determine our future. There are many cultures that still use the name, not just Mary, but, but Magdalene as a name for their daughters. My father's mother was named Magdalena, Magdalene. But let's think about that reality, that lesson of Mary Magdalene's life, if in fact she was that prostitute who came to Simon's house that day. Barbara sang a beautiful, beautiful song about that. Take those words home and read them again because they say something important to us. We live in a, in a world now where the media, political opponents, somebody who doesn't like us, digs into our history and finds there something that we would just as soon forget. It's become a national sport. It's become a way to destroy people that you don't like. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I hope that nobody can go back into my past and find there the things that I've said and the things that I've done that Jesus already has forgiven me for. There's something wrong in a society when we call ourselves Christian, but then do not allow the possibility of repentance and forgiveness. Christianity is about the new life that God offers. As we repent and admit that we're wrong, but then as we move forward, Mary Magdalene is one of the best examples of that spiritual dynamic, that transaction, that relationship that occurs when we meet Jesus. And we meet it in the life of a woman whose life had gone terribly wrong, but then went wonderfully right. That's one lesson. Here's another lesson. When we look at the women of the Bible, especially the New Testament, we see there a culture where women were considered to be second class, but in the culture of the church, especially as it learned the way of Jesus, we see that women were valued, women were important, women were understood to be the equal of men. Now, that may not sound like such a radical thing to us today, but it was a radical thing then. And actually, it was not a new idea in Jesus' day. It's an idea that originated from the origin stories of our faith. Do you remember that we're told that God created humanity? He created them male and female, and he said, this is good. He said, they, male and female, are my image. Of course, when we look at people, we understand that there's basically two kinds of people in the world. There's male people and there's female people. And I know there's lots of conversation today, and that's okay, about all sorts of issues related to gender and sexual identity and such, well and good. But the basic way we understand ourselves is as men or women. And that's the way God made us. And God said, that's the way I want it to be. And then because of that equality, because of that understanding, all throughout the story of the Bible, even though men are mentioned more often than women, because there were patriarchal societies, still women pop up everywhere. There were important women of the Old Testament story. There are women mentioned in the lineage stories, the, the genealogies of Jesus. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we see Jesus treating women like no one else had before with respect, with honor, with love, with a sense of equality and a sense of the importance of their place in the world. And of course, it was women at the tomb. The story continues after Jesus. We've been thinking a lot about Europe these days, haven't we? Do you know who the first Christian was in Europe? It was a resident of the town of Philippi, modern-day Greek Chanakale. It was a woman. Her name was Lydia. She dealt in purple. Because of that, we understood that she is a, is a, was a, a, a very rich and powerful woman. She and her whole household were converted and then baptized into the faith. Not a man, a woman. There's another lesson we can learn. The lesson that we human beings have a problem, thousands actually, but here's one of our biggest problems is that we tend to separate people all the time when in fact what God wants for us is to be together. We look at the simple fact of men and women and we start to divide along those lines. It's as if we believe that at the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth that God said that it shall be this way. That at every junior high dance the men shall be on this side and the women shall be on that side. We divide ourselves because of our gender, our age, our size, our denomination, our skin color, our musical preferences, whatever it is. 
But the Bible understands simply that different is not unequal or invaluable. It's just different. It was a Roman centurion who Jesus welcomed. It was a Samaritan traveler who Jesus used as an example of what faithful discipleship is about. It was a woman of the night, if that's what you want to call her, who came to Jesus in repentance and in love, offering a costly gift, and he restored her. Jesus' band included tax collectors and fishermen, and yes, it included women. Therefore, Christians at our best are people who work to eliminate all the barriers that exist between and among all people all the time. The presence of women in the story teaches us to do that. The last lesson that we'll draw today from these women is that in today's world, especially the world that you and I live in, there are places where the equality of men and women is, is the norm and is becoming more and more the norm every day, but it hasn't always been that way. We still can make progress. We still can learn God's ways, but we've come a long way. We consider it quite unremarkable these days to speak of the equality of men and women. But it wasn't always that way, and in most of our lifetimes, it was very much not that way. Every single one of you read my email message yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> Raise your hands. Lie if you have to, it's okay, I'll give you forgiveness just this once. The governing body of this church, when we were founded 66 years ago, comprised 12 men. I find it interesting that the building committee had some women on it. They must have been rich women. They knew they needed them to be on the building committee. I don't know. What do we learn? We learn that we can change. We can make progress. We can grow into the people and into the society that God wants us to be. Therefore, we are people filled with hope, people who always are working to make things better, knowing that it has happened in the past. We are the beneficiaries of it, and we need to keep going. So do this for me right now. If you're a woman sitting here today, I want you to find a man to look at. And if you're a man, I want you to find a woman to look at. And say, we're going to get along with each other. And aren't we glad that God made us this way? And we've got it. Let's keep going. Amen. This is wonderful. I'm staring up at my husband in the choir, and he's going, hmm. <laughs> Will you please join me as we affirm our faith from Romans chapter 8. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, we will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him.
Let me invite you in your minds and in your heart today and tomorrow to paint a new picture, to create a new scene in living color, with sound, with special effects. Paint a picture of the world that you see God is leading us toward. Create an image of what God wants for his world. Take all that you have seen and all that you know and all of which you have read in scripture and include it in that picture. And then let that be the vision into which you and I are living today and always. Shall we do that? Now as I pronounce this benediction upon we gathered here, I pronounce it as well for God's people and God's church all around the world, especially for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Let God's people say together, Amen.